Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. Happy New Year, it's 2024. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Christine Chackinger from Sites Without Walls, and um, yeah, it is an exciting new year. We are going into our 18th year of production of Webcology. Uh, before going any further, I uh, first of all, I, I, I want to say thank you to... Um, the audience base to for sticking around for 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 18 years to um darren and brandy from uh wmr formerly webmaster radio um to brasco and all the uh old hosts at at, at webmaster radio that 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 network um sustained the seo industry and this podcast for for several years and uh you know, really, really help refine the uh, the early and mid days of uh, search marketing industry, and um, a real huge special thanks to Tom and the folks at Audience Key, our sponsors. They've come through for us time and time again and kept us on the air. And uh, um, extraordinary Tom people, Tom rocks. <laughs> Tom rocks. Tom wrestling of Audience Key and Audience Key rocks as well. It's a great tool. By the way, did you know? That and I looked this up. This is one of the longest continuing, continuously running podcasts online in history. I did know that, though I'm not sure where you looked it up. Where did you find that? Where did you find proof of that? I, I looked up longest running podcast in history, and there's only one that's I think it's like eight months older than you. That is. Which one is that? Is that um uh uh, uh six degrees of separation or six pix- pixels of separation? Not sure. Could be. I have to go back and look because I looked a couple months ago. But it does mean you're one of the longest running, continuously running podcasts in the history of the Internet. Which is, of course, the history of history itself. Of course. That is wonderful. Well, you're, you're, you're part of it too, Christine. And, um, <laughs> no, again, and, and is, you know, is everybody. Um, big thanks to Ricky in the control room, right, who's sitting in the control room right now. But, uh, but yeah, big thanks to Audience Key and thanks to the audience for sticking around. Let's go for, I'm not going to say another 18 years because that's not going to happen, but let's go for a hell of a long time more. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> but we'll see what the industry looks like at the end of 2024. Now, interestingly, had we said this at the beginning of, say, 2023, one year ago at this time, had we said ominously, we'll see what the industry looks like at the end of 2023, We'd have both thought that the industry would look radically different today than it did at the beginning of 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 twenty twenty three, and the truth is, I don't think it does. Uh you mean because of the release of ChatGPT? Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and like 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 the like our expert said last week, it's had an impact, but the major impact is yet to be seen. But the industry's resilience is one of the, I think one of the the, the stories I would like to. Th- not a, it's not a story, but it's more of a concept I'd like to lead with going into into twenty twenty four. 
Well, I have to say that out of any industry I know of, we are one of the most resilient out there. Because not only do most of us not come to this by any sort of formal education, because there's only recently even SEO classes at universities, but we have to relearn and relearn on a daily basis. Things change sometimes multiple times a day throughout our careers. We also have people now that learn to Python because they figured that would be helpful going into the AI movement. Um, so, you know, this is one of the most resilient industries I think that exists because so many people come with so many skill sets and we're all big learners and we love the puzzles. And so we sit down and we spend our time and we try to solve them. And so I think, uh, I think, I don't know if I can think of another industry that's quite as resilient as this one. We make it, they make a pivot today. We pivot tomorrow. <laughs> Over the holidays, I talked to a number of colleagues and you included. And I think in each of us, all, all the conversations involve some question of, is this the year SEO dies? And, um, and you, know, you and me had that conversation, I think, two or three days ago. And I don't know. No, absolutely not. <laughs> um, a lot may change. Hell, Google itself might um, displace itself this year. Who knows? But SEO is, is hardly going to, uh, to die. You know, John Miller even assured us of that. And Bing has been very assured of that since uh, they started adding the chat GPT to their search. Uh I do want to note, John Mueller has only given us the first half of 2024. He didn't say anything about the second half. He just said H1 2024, we're good. He gave us the H2. Yeah, he didn't give us an H2. And for all we know, he could have just been screwing around with H1 for stylistic purposes. (laughs) That's very true. Happens way too often. I will say that uh, years ago, I would wake up with this pit in my stomach that SEO would go away overnight. This is before ChatGPT. And what would I do, right? I mean, I have other things I could do, but what would I do? And then I realized that everything we learn about websites and how to make them good for Google is also about making them good for users. So as long as there's websites, you can pivot our skills into saying, okay, maybe Google search isn't as important as it used to be, but your website being good for users is, and we can take that knowledge and apply it. So if anyone wakes up in the middle of the night with that pit in their stomach, just realize you can take your skills and readapt them to just making good websites in general. Well, and remember, it's an awfully big web out there. Finding stuff is always going to be um, critically important to the functioning of that awfully big web out there. So um, there was a great piece by uh, Neil Dash, it was in, uh, in Rolling Stone uh, uh, last week, um, where um, Neil is suggesting that the, uh, the web is going to go back to the Wild West anarchic days of the late 90s, uh, early 2Ks, before the energy and money coalesced into the mega web corporations we see today, the, 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 the metas and the alphabet core and what Apple has become, etc. Um, but back in the day, it was, it was wild. Um, you wanted to start up your own social network, your own um, chat group. You could do that quite easily on Usenet. Um, Back in the day before everything was um, fenced in and organized and um, made very, very simple, the web was an anarchy. And Anil 
suggest for going back there again as people get tired of um well tired of the 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 dominance of google tired of the dominance of x tired of the dominance of facebook and and instagram etc and then the the banality of it all like the web's boring in so many ways eh uh yeah i mean definitely people today younger people today don't know the excitement we used to have of like getting on there and just following hyperlinks down rabbit holes of non-curated non-filtered results and non-curated non-filtered information you know it wasn't curated to you it wasn't it wasn't personalized it wasn't putting you in a filter bubble like we are today um so there was definitely like this adventurous feeling to it you know like you discover all sorts of ideas and thoughts and people and things that you had never heard of i think i think that's part of tiktok's popularity right now is because that's what happens on tiktok um but if you're if you're ever if you're a web worker and you're feeling um what's that what's the right word the, the nui of just boredom pick up a copy of rolling stone read a nils article and you might feel more hopeful for the future yeah yeah though i do I, i'm a little less mm, about the idea that it's just gonna become a wild west because we have very very powerful players in play to make sure that that doesn't happen and they will spend a lot of their money to do that and the new systems like the federated systems are all complicated and difficult to use so yeah so we'll see if somebody there's something groundbreaking that changes those two dynamics because if those two dynamics don't change then i don't really see it going crazy but if they do change then it could definitely go to the wild west again see the nice thing about the early days of a new year is it's kind of like an unscratched lottery ticket you can still be so hopeful you you know no one's no no one's scratched us yet (laughs) but it's coming (laughs) We were um, scratched so hard last year. I don't think there's a, indeed. A quick shout out to uh, to Google's to Google's John Mueller um, yes, on behalf you, of of SEO Dom. Thank you. Um, he was there providing SEO support New Year's Eve. Like he was he he was he was he was out there on Reddit, um, uh, uh, basically helping people through what to do um, when nobody else was there. So good on him, eh? Yeah, and he answers some real, you know, some big questions like video is not the main content of the page, or why not buy a fiber service for DR and DA50? <laughs> DA and DR are not metrics Google uses, is pretty much what he said. Uh, but, <laughs> he, but there's an article about this in uh, Search Engine Roundtable where you can see some of the things that he answered. So you, if you think they're interesting, you might want to go to the Reddit thread and read what he responded with. And the, I mean, the cool thing is you can actually interact with um, one of the um, most well-informed uh, Googleites um, on the who's who, who's openly posting posting to the web. Um, John will, you know, wrap back at you. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely helpful. And that's nice to that's nice to have when you have a really difficult question. I asked him one yesterday. We'll see what he says. <laughs> uh, the cool thing is, you're almost pretty sure he's gonna he's going to answer you in one way or another. Exactly, exactly. So thank okay. you, John, for being yeah. being there for us crazy people who are working on New Year's Eve. Well, and just being there in general. I mean. Cool. Um, what John, what Martin and Gary are doing, um, and and Danny as well as uh, as folks people to the industry are um, is invaluable, and uh, 
and wonderful. I mean, I don't know another way to say it. This is um, some, the industry often feels like a very tight family. Uh-huh. And uh, this is the kind of stuff that makes it feel like a very tight family. <laughs> Speaking of stuff that makes it feel like a very tight family, PubCon, early March, uh, Las Vegas. Yes, a lot of people are going to be there. So if you wanted to reunite with everybody you missed during the pandemic, this would be the one to come to. I will not be attending officially, but I will go down to say hi to everyone. So if you are there, let me know and we can catch up. There's there's, there's several moving pieces to any uh, any search search marketing conference, but PubCon is named PubCon for a specific reason. The information you get at the set at the at the lectures and sessions is um, beyond university level, given that it's fresh and relevant to the moment it's being delivered. Yeah. The people you meet on the trade show floor are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they might be your next partner moving forward into the into the coming year. But the real action at PubCon is in the bars, is in the restaurants, is in the, the community gathering um, just outside of the show itself. So the show exactly. is just outside the show. Exactly. And, and if you've never been to a conference or if it's been a while... Um, there no, there's nothing that beats in-person uh, conferencing because you get to, I got to go to a few last year. And, you know, I had a two-hour conversation with Philly Wise about how uh, he's one of the Google search brothers, former Googler, about uh, 404 errors and how impactful they can really be on your website. And, you know, I didn't really know what he knows. Thank goodness I had that two hours with him. <laughs> so there's things like that that happen at conferences that don't happen anywhere else. And you can, in my early days, I remember begging my companies to let me go to the conferences because I would accelerate my knowledge by six months to a year easily because the things that I didn't necessarily study or didn't know about other people had tested or they worked with or they had client issues with that and they could give me the answers and how they found them and what they found really quickly at, while we had a conversation over a drink or dinner and and no worry if you, you know, if you're not big in alcohol it's okay you can get a juice no you know no one cares but it is a good place to the center bar is always the central activity just because it's open 24 hours and it's a place everyone meets up at the end of the day. Yeah. So first week of March, 2024, get thyself to Vegas, book your rooms now, um, go to PubCon, uh, the PubCon website to, uh, you know, see if you can get in on the, on the room blocks, but get in uh, book now, get there. And it's, it it's, it's, a life-changing experience speaking of change um microsoft has made the first change to the uh keyboard in 30 years in 30 years I like, didn't know that first long. real major change like adding a yeah. whole brand new key to the key i'm not talking about just like layout change or adding a button here or there this is like a major function change yes. added a button to uh, call up chatbots you know, I really think they've missed the mark if they don't make it an animated clippy. I really do. <laughs> well, it's hard to make an animated clippy on a big piece of plastic. No, no, um, when you hit the keyboard. key, when you hit the key and you call it up, it should be clippy. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> we need, um, we need to have a movement to bring clippy back. <laughs> although Those I'm, don't know yeah, clippy. I'm pretty sure Microsoft it. wants to avoid that given the billions of dollars invested in, uh, in trying to, in, in making this happen. But 
there's a copilot key that you're going to find on your um, Microsoft made keyboards, and which means likely on every PC based keyboard into the future. Um, that will poof pull up chatbot yeah. or Microsoft Copilot. Sorry, I still say they missed the mark if there's no clippy there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the power of retro these days, it's pretty, I think pretty, it's a it's major, major recognition that, um, generative, um, or not, not, not necessarily generative AI, but AI is a component of search and of computing from now until forever. <laughs> um, okay, so moving that um, AI, machine learning, large language models, etc., are big parts of the way forward, moving forward, defining what that looks like is what 2024, 2025 is going to be about. And this is, you know, given this is Earth, the courts take, uh, <laughs> this is where the courts come in. <laughs> so this story actually comes from, from, from late last year, but um, we didn't get a chance to report on it uh, last week. And it's really worth noting, um, the New York Times is suing OpenAI and Microsoft over AI use of copyrighted work that appeared in the, the New York Times. Now, millions of articles from the from the Times and from I guess from you know other newspapers and by by this time I'm betting other newspapers and newspaper chains are clamoring to jump onto this suit. Millions of articles from the New York Times were used to train chatbots and they're now sort of competing with the, the New York Times. So the Times isn't looking for like money. They just want this to stop. Um, well, and and they don't have a monetary de demand, but they did say they should be held responsible for billions of dollars in statutory and actual damages related to unlawful copying of the Times' uniquely valuable works. But it also... It also calls for the companies to have to destroy any chatbot models and training data they used on copyrighted material from the Times. So if they win that case, that will change the entire AI industry in a second. Because if they would have to destroy all the models and everything that they train with everything that they trained on, um, that's that's massive. And I'm sure if if uh, even if the New York Times doesn't win, but if there's any inkling that that could happen you'll have a bunch of other publishers jump in and, and ask for the same thing. So I, I think that's a, a kind of the thing that, about AI is it often when we talk about it, it seems like it's so definite the future. Like we know exactly where these chat models are going to go, but we really don't because there's so many legal questions that are now just coming to the courts that the whole, the whole landscape could change by next, this time next year could be completely different based on how the courts decide these things. So, Yeah. So I was in a, uh, a meeting with the name brand corporation um, just before Christmas. And the meeting was about a number of issues, but one of the major parts of the meeting was a, a report on how generative AI might affect the, um, how pages from 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 that company's websites would appear in search results now this company is really secretive it has a number of um 
products that it's introducing in um, certain times and the ramp out for introduction of a product is incredibly strict and incredibly secret. There's a number of um, departments that have to be involved in the introduction of any product from this company. <laughs> and so their question to me was, how do we protect our information from AI? We don't want it to be part of AI training. And I had to give them a, well, here's the good news. Here's a couple of protocols you can install to either completely limit AI from your website, but that will also limit your website from the search results. Um, or limit AI from certain parts of your website. Problem is, only certain companies, Google and OpenAI, will follow these protocols. All the other AIs out there aren't necessarily going to. And if your content has already been picked up by another crawler, say Common Crawl, or the Open Directory Project, um, the, the Wayback Machine, um, it's difficult to protect data that's already appeared in other places, even though you've got a copyright and you've protected it yourself behind a paywall. So I got a feeling that this, um, this court case is, is one of those, can we get the, car the horses back into the barn after the barn's on fire and they've all run out? Kind well, of it's Except if they have to destroy the models that trained on them. And that's that's a different story. If they, it's just that they win and they get money, yeah, because the models still exist, the training's still there. You can't remove the training from the models. We know that. Once something goes in, it's there forever. Right now, they're working on ways to get it out, but right now, that's the case. So what happens, though, if they're told they have to destroy the models? That means chat, chat GPT 3.5 and 4 would have to be destroyed. Now, I doubt the course will go to that level. But still, yeah, I have a really hard time seeing that happen, given um, how many other businesses have become dependent on um, on the technology, especially a year from now. But there's a lot of loss. There's a lot of lawsuits on this copyright issue. Getty suing. I'm yep. um, not not opening either. Well, yeah, I think there's open, no opening. AI is yeah. in the Getty suit definitely because yeah, they yeah. cross that line. And then you have the major authors who are suing. And you have major celebrities who are suing, and you have at least, uh, I think it's 10 to 12 publishers the size of the New York Times suing. So it is possible. They say it's going to have to go to the Supreme Court uh, eventually. And so the Supreme Court is going to have to decide. Now, it's probably a business-friendly Supreme Court, so they won't make them destroy the models. But so far, OpenAI's, as a, in a uh, supplementary story this week with this, um, hasn't really uh, come to the table in earnest because they only offered publishers like one to $5 million compensation. Um, and since their presence using their materials has greatly undercut the money makers for them, like Wirecutter for the New York Times, um, that's also a business issue too. So I don't think this will be just purely found on copyright. I think there'll be other things that'll be factored in, but we'll have to watch this year and see what happens. None of us know which way this is gonna go because it's all new and it's new law and there's no real precedent. Uh, but it will change the face one way or the other. It will completely change the face uh, how AI, uh, machine learning, and, and language models uh, are trained and used and deployed and implemented and all that kind of stuff. So it's a year worth watching those things. Oh, absolutely. In any one of these cases, like like Christine said, um, how to say this, any one of these cases could upset 
a number of Apple cards. Doesn't need to be all, not all the cases have to win. Just one of them has to win, actually. Yeah, just one, yeah. Um, to upset an Apple card. Now, does that mean that that case is going to hold, that's going to set precedent, that it won't be appealed? Who knows? But there's, there is um, a number of cases that will force definition coming before the courts in the next year or two. Right. And right now there isn't a clear definition. So for those who are creating stuff with AI, just to remind you, you have no copyright on anything you create with AI without, unless the AI has significant human intervention. So if I can create an image and then I paint it and I add my own thing to it, then that would be me creating from the image that I had. So that would be, that would fall under copyright. And but, here's one that is definitely coming up. What if you create something, Christine, using AI that uses other people's material that was copyrighted and it goes super viral. Well, then that's the thing. That's where copyright law is very, un it's, it's not that it's unclear. There's just nothing. It's definitely stated. coming up. I guarantee it's going to come up. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, but there's nothing definite in the law about it because um, it, right now, copyright law in the US and the UK and the EU requires that a human is at the center of creation. And so since all AI, machine learning, I always say saying AI, it's not really AI, it's machine learning, but let's just say AI. All AI language models, the, the uh, image models, they are all regurgitations of other people's work. And no, that's not the same as if you read a book and you were influenced to create something else because you read that book. This is taking the information it was trained on and then just regurgitating it in another format. So, um, so they did, I mean, Technically, yeah, they did violate the copyrights. Um, and this is one of those cases, I think, Jim, where tech said, as they sometimes do, we'll ask for forgiveness instead of permission because we know if we ask for permission, it'll be no. If we ask for forgiveness later, we might have to go to court and that'll take years and years and years. And by then, we'll probably not have to worry about what we did. And that's my take on it. Yeah. So, but these, the, all these lawsuits, the, the Getty lawsuit is massive too because Unlike in text, which is a little harder to prove definite um, copyright violations because it rewrites the text, the image ones actually had Getty's logo in a yeah. whole bunch of them. So um, that, that'll get you burned. <laughs> yeah. So so that's harder because right the logo's there, so it's really hard to say we didn't we didn't violate copyright because you and I both know little little SEO shops that someone employee took like one image from Getty will get a letter to say no like. $3,000 because they found out you use that image. So they're one of the most litigious groups in digital media. So, um, so that's one, that's the first big case. But like you said, it only takes one because we're defining copyright law. So there would be refinements after that definition, but it only takes one to make the definition. So don't you hate it when you say go buy a new car and the moment you drive it off the lot, it loses, I don't know, say 71% of its like retail value. <laughs> you know what? That's why I always buy used cars, never new cars. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, that can sometimes bite you too. Um, for instance, <laughs> if you buy a used social media platform, a well-used social media platform like, uh, like Twitter, as Elon Musk did in October of 22 for uh, October of 2022 for $44 billion. Okay. Um, since then, and this is this 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 is, was actually just uh, released in, in in Axios magazine. Um, the mutual fund Fidelity, which is one of the, uh, the 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 backers of X Holdings, which is the company that Musk used to purchase uh, Twitter, 
now estimates the value of X, Twixter, down from 44 billion to 12.5 billion, a loss of 71.5%. I like we have to add this to that 0.5%. <laughs> Well, you know, what's, what, what's a few billion between friends, right? Exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Well, and, and we have covered earlier last, well, not earlier this year, but at the end of last year, that the banks that are banking Twitter are looking to possibly devalue their stock and dump it and then raided a junk bond purely on Musk's activities with the platform. So, um, which is unusual. Usually it's the company itself, not the person that's running it. But uh, they dropped, um, the number of monthly users dropped by 15%. It was also by researchers seen as the most um, likely to spread disinformation and hate. Yeah. And then Musk himself has endorsed anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. So I I can see there, you know, why the value keeps dropping. (laughs) I just haven't understood why it hasn't gotten out, but that's that's a whole other conversation. But um, yeah, so they, they, their own, their own um, backers have devalued the stock by seventy one point five percent. That's not good for Twitter. I really kind of just have this this hope and dream because I do think Twitter is a necessary platform for what it does for news and and uh, getting information out there before people you know have access to it other ways. Is that somebody benevolent with lots of money will go to Musk and force him to sell it? But I just don't think that's going to happen. But that is my dream. Okay, so everything from this point in is about Google. So just letting the letting the listenership know we're going we're going Google for the rest of the show. <laughs> Did we get everything else? You know what? There's <laughs> one. The, no, you know, even the WordPress story has a Google egg. So we're going Google. Um, let's get, let's start with, um, uh, Jeff Bezos. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, you might remember him from such hits as, I don't know, Amazon, um, is betting on beating Google by using AI to not necessarily replicate google or 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 be build a better google but to change the way people look at search in 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 general erplexity erplexity i mean remember remember the old saying from web on web college never let engineers name stuff erplexity yeah sorry yeah i was just saying yeah i mean so so i said it a bunch of times and now it's easy erplexity Set up going after Google's dominant position in web search. Uh, it's got backing from uh, Jeff Bezos and from venture capitalists. It's betting that AI will upend the way people find information online, not like other search giants like, say, micro, uh, Google and Bing aren't betting that too. Um, well, and the, here's the thing of the perplexity. It is former Google engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, who are trying to start a search engine. And so far, it's been kind of slow going. They do had 50 million users in the month of, uh, I think it was the month December, or was it the year? I think it was the month. Um, But they're not making much money. They don't run ads. And I do think, and I would would butcher the name. I can't say it. You might be able to say it. Shrinivas? Shrinif? I know it's like Shrinivas. Thank you. When I say my last name, um, Aravind Shrinivas. But his statement was 
that uh, if you can directly answer somebody's question, nobody needs the 10 blue links. And I, I don't think that's correct. I don't want a search engine that just gives me answers. I want to go search for stuff 90% of the time. There are some things, you know, like when does this next, is this, is good, is this show have another season? You know, what's the weather today? But there are a lot of questions. I'm doing research. And so I do need 10 blue links. I do need something to go through, not just the answer you give me. And I don't want the answer you give me. And I don't trust the answer you give me. So I want to do my research. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And so we'll see. But they are getting a big backing from Bezos, 525 million. I mean, it's not massive. And I thought billions, which you need to really take on Google. But um, it, it is an interesting twist because their idea is they will not have to do anything with links. There would be no backlinks as part of their algorithms. It would all be done with AI. But we're noticing right now with Google, who has seemed to up AI, <laughs> it's not going so well. Well, it's so, not necessarily the AI that's going badly for Google, but you mentioned a moment ago, they don't want nothing to do with links over there at Perplexity. I'm, you know, like, like, call me crazy, but you remember how Google used to determine a value to a website based on the veracity of links directed to that website and oh, how so that works. actually, you know, worked? Yeah. Well, and since Google's pulled back on that, yeah, in favor of other factors, the um, quality of search um, of search search results has demonstrably declined. Well, you know what I did today researching for this show? Guess where I searched? At perplexity. No, no, no. Uh, at, Bing. at Bing. At Bing. Yeah, because for some reason, Google has removed all the top story carousels for any of the major AI company, or any of the major companies, news, except for Twitter and OpenAI. <laughs> so when I go to search for news, I don't get any top stories. I don't get any news. So I go to Bing and there's top stories carousels on every single thing I searched. So uh, so I went to Bing today. I jumped to Google. Um, are, you, are you suggesting Google's using its size and dominance to suppress stories? <laughs> I don't know if it's suppressing them. It's just like, because it's even about competitors. It's just for some reason when you search news now for Google or Bing or Yahoo, I looked up Yahoo search, things like that. Um, it doesn't give you a news. It gives you Yahoo news, Google news. It's the problem that they have with the algorithms. And I do think that is a problem with machine learning and the algorithms. And the way that you would decrease link value in search without totally messing everything up would be to increase the value of the, two algorithms they use for relevance that happen after the sort and scoring of the page. And that's rank brain and neural matching. And if you use those two and you amp up the, those, then you would get supposedly better query relevance. But as we're seeing, I don't know that's what they're doing, but I'm assuming that's probably what they're doing. I don't think they'd change their whole link algorithm without testing first. And this would be a good way to test, but it's bad. It's just it's just bad. And Google has been trying to say it's not bad. And then Danny finally admitted some of it was bad. But no, it's really bad. It's just, you know, when my dad phones me why he can't find the specifications for a screw in a proposal he's writing for a building that they're building, because um, he's always been able to find it. And he can't find it anymore. Where does he find it? That's bad. <laughs> you know, because Google assumed shopping intent. And so he couldn't get the specs for what he was looking for. So Google assumes way too much now, and they've amplified way too much, like one or two words in your query. 
And so, like, I looked for crime rates at my apartment complex because there had been a killing. And I kept getting rental results for the zip code. And that's all I could get. No matter how I rephrase the query, rental results for the zip code. So Google search is really broken. And I do think it's an overemphasis on uh, machine learning because they removed that factor where they had the guys who had worked on the algorithms for the last 25 years, you know, deciding how those would go. And uh, you can tell that their influence isn't there as heavily as it used to be. And AI is there way more than it used to be. And I just think right now it's in us. And I know I'm not the only one because I see a lot of people talking about it, including a Wharton professor. I was about to mention uh, Elon Mollick, uh, Ethan Mollick, yes. sorry. And uh, Ethan Mollick, the name is familiar. Um, he's LinkedIn. From LinkedIn. I follow, I follow him on LinkedIn. I tag you in a post that he makes that I think are relevant for what no, we're doing. No, he's written, he's written several articles on and, on yeah, and about search. I've read his, I, I know I've read this person's work before. The name is, is, is incredibly familiar. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm tagging you on his page, so. Okay, well, anyway, um, um, Ethan Mollock, associate professor at Wharton School of uh, Wharton School at University of Pennsylvania, posted up on Twixter um, about his disappointment with search results. Um, and and the, what he said up on Twixter, there is no greater way to feel the overall decay of internet search than to try to figure out when and if a new season of a show is coming out. You make that query, that query. And uh, Moloch said all he saw were weird clickbait articles. Yes. Instead yeah. of an official yes or no, the, the show is or is not coming out, or rumors um, from, from, from uh, discussion forums about that show. But no, instead, uh, Moloch is, is, is getting clickbait articles. Um, and so people know Malik is a researcher in AI. So this isn't someone who's just like a professor of English who's giving their opinion. This is someone who actually, um, if you follow him on LinkedIn, you'll see he posts almost every day about changes to the AI landscape. So um, so that he's making this comment is interesting. Yeah. So um, Google, this is, and Bing and others, like phenomenal, phenomenal leaps forward. But sometimes I just want the box score. Honestly, I just want to know if the Leafs beat the uh, Red Wings or not. That's it. And, and eight times out of ten, I just want the ten blue links because I'm looking for something, and you cannot assume what I'm looking for based on my search history because I'm an SEO. So I might have okay. searched wacky things that week. <laughs> if you run a WordPress site, and this is again, this, this has a Google tie-in, and for SEOs, it's Google Fonts. So, you know, it's going to slow you down anyway. You're going to hate it. And the developer says, but we need to use it. And you look at it and go, oh, my God, but it's so goddamn slow. Well, <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like molasses in Toronto <laughs> in wintertime. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, okay, so a high vulnerability uh, recently patched in Google font optimization for WordPress, which allowed attacker, attackers to delete entire directories and upload malicious scripts. I love this name. The OMGF yeah. <laughs> GDPRDSGVO compliant WordPress plugin, faster <laughs> Google fonts, easy. Optimize the use of Google fonts. That was the name. Optimize. No, it's a crazy name. Optimize using Google Fonts to reduce page speed impact and is also um, GDR compliant, um, making it valuable for users in the EU looking to implement Google Fonts. Now, that alone, 
why would a plugin that 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 just speed loads Google Fonts need to be GP, GDPR compliant? Um, oh, there's a reason. There is a reason. Is there? Okay. Do you do you yes. have the explanation at your fingertips? I do. I am because, curious then. Because I am like that. Um, because Google Fonts releases IP information if it is hosted on a third-party server. So if you have Google Fonts and you have to be GDPR compliant, you have to host it yourself. And by the way, you don't have to use all these fonts. There are plenty of fonts that are native to your to computers yeah. that are plenty good and better because you don't have to load the fonts. And then the computer just can load your page faster. But yes, it is a GDPR compliance issue. So I have this developer I work with who who's a lead developer and I have like immense amount of respects for him. Okay. But he hates Google. I mean, he doesn't dislike Google. He hates <laughs> Google because Google is the bane of his existence. And it's always dumb stuff like this. I'm like, Hey, developer guy. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's all this stuff that is like, you know, slowing first render. And then we, we look at the exact scripts that are slowing for surrender, and they're all Google stuff. It's like, you know, Google Fonts or Tag Manager, and it's all Google stuff. And so I get 10 minutes of him sticking it in my ear about it being Google in the first place. Maddening. <laughs> well, a developer that, that, that finds Google the bane of its existence? I can't imagine. <laughs> well, he's a very logical guy. <laughs> no, no, he is. I'm just saying, Google's always changing things on developers, and they're always having to adapt to Google's specifications. Yep. Yeah. By the way, oh, go ahead. I'm sure you're new. Oh, go for it, please, please. By the way. No, 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 no. Because I was going to sidebar. So go ahead. I was just going to say, did you realize that Bard is coming out with a paid version? I read that somewhere. Yes. So Google Bard is preparing a paid version of Bard. Although I don't see people being overjoyed with Bard, so I'm not sure that they're going to pay for it. But. We'll see. So anyways, if you're a Bard fan, uh, pretty soon there will be a paid version of it. I think over at Search Engine Roundtable, Barry published a picture of ads on the Japanese, on Tokyo's um, transit system for yes. Google Bard. Yes, they're doing, uh, they're doing in like uh, brick and mortar ads. So they're pushing this really hard. It's going to be called Bard Advance. It'll be likely free for the first three months, and then you get really hooked on it. Then they're going to get you to pay. Um, not sure for whom it's going to be available. Um, Google's been testing it with a small group of testers. Um, it's the release is going to happen soon, and um, you know Google like it. Google's looking to recover costs associated with running LLMs, which must be, you know, insane. Um, By the way, we need to we need to be aware there's a new acronym that will apply to things like Bard, uh, Gemini, if it comes out with like multimodal, you know, images and voice and all that. Okay. Um, and it's an LMM. LMM. Large multimodal. Large M M M M. Large yeah, multimodal model. Yeah, something like that. But it's just two M. So it's L M M. What if it's a um, large multimodal model mix? Well, so a large language model just does basically text. And a large multi model model. <laughs> can I say that? Model model modal model. Um, is like um what we saw in Google during COVID where it had images at the top of the page and 
charts and text and video. It can do all the things. So it's not just working with text, it's working with different types of digital materials. So uh, Gemini is their, their big example of that. Um, so, th so if they're doing Gemini-based BARD, then it will be LMN instead of just LLM. I'll say that three times fast. <laughs> so anyway, so that's, that's what's coming up uh, pretty soon. The pricing is in the model. That's how we know it's going to be released soon, because you can find the pricing in the code. Excellent. Yes. And do you know do you know anything about the pricing? Is it going to be cheap? Is it going to be expensive? You know, I have to think it's got to compete with OpenAI or it won't go anywhere because it's not considered as good. So uh, I, I would con buy people who use it. Um, so I would imagine it would have to be around 20, you know, 20, 30 a month or less. But we'll see. I mean, it's Google. They could price it anywhere they want to. Okay. So... Have you ever wanted to ask Google to give you stuff back, to give you more analytic tools, better um, diagnostic tools, perhaps? If you have, every year, Barry Swartz asks and um, collects information from SEOs who answer. And this year, Barry asks for the big Search Console feature request list. What do you want to see in Search Console? What should Google do to make it better? And, so yeah. he lists 60 different uh, different responses that, um, that the SEOs gave him. Some of them included better click and impression from all search features. Um, move the crawl stats and robot text out of settings and make them visible on the, uh, on the left side navigation. Yeah, and I would like to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the next one I'm not so sure about being able to submit multiple URLs for indexing, like in Bing, Bing Webmaster Tools. Um, what happened? Just creating um really good link paths and making it easy for Google to follow them. Oh, I think this is more though for people who are like testing stuff and things like that. Like when you have a fix something, and it's not being indexed, that kind of thing. So I understand that. I also well, think can, I really, I really like. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, you can just request indexing too, and insert. I mean, they already have that for you. Um, you're you're screwing around with the page. You look at you. you, you, you but it's you, one at a time, right? That's true. Yeah. So the multi, they're talking about multi, which I get because you have a large site and you have a lot of to fix. Um, you know, that's kind of a pain. So I do like some of these, though. I'm definitely for full page render previews. I hate that when you do a page render, you only get part of the page. Um, I think some of these are people need to to relook at their SEO authority and domain scores. There's no such thing in Google. Um, eat metering. There's no such thing in Google. Ranking signals as eat. Uh, but I do a page rank scores never going to happen. <laughs> but I do like some of the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here you go. Here's your page rank score. Actually, they did have a toolbar. Remember, way way back in the day, which was oh yeah, but hard. they discontinued it for a good reason. Yeah, exactly. They ain't never bringing that back again because that's a bad idea. Never bringing that back. Your game map, uh, please. I, I do like the – where did they – oh, I had them right in front of me. Now I can't find them. But um, I do like when people asked about top stories reporting, uh, SGE reporting, featured snippet reporting, and people also ask reporting because I will get news sites that have 2 million impressions and 50 clicks. And the reason they probably have 2 million impressions and 50 clicks is because – 
they were on the first page in one of these uh, special boxes and not fully visible. And like in the top stories, if you have half an image, it's considered an uh, impression, but you're not fully there. Um, or it's behind the drop down, you know, where you do more, stuff like that. So I think those would be really, really helpful because I would really like to be able to see if an SG existed. That's really important going forward. How are you gonna be able to measure drops in traffic on your site if you don't know if an SGE is there or not? And things like top stories reporting like, okay, so your story was in the top stories, but it was number five on the list and nobody clicks that. So that's why you get too many impressions and, and no traffic. So that stuff is sorely missing. I think that would be really helpful. Also, opting out of title and description rewriting. I am still surprised no one has sued Google over their rewriting of titles and descriptions. I just saw a report from Dan Daniel Foley. I think he said 40% of his titles were re rewritten. And you and I both know there are sites with legal requirements in their titles. Mm -hmm. And and also Daniel noticed that in every case, it was lower click-through rates once Google rewrote it. And I saw the same thing when they rewrote them on sites I've worked on. So that would be great to opt out of title and description rewriting because Google doesn't do it better most of the time if you have someone actively writing your stuff. So I think there's some really good stuff on here. Um, so hopefully Google pays attention. Go over to a search engine roundtable. It's a much longer list and there's no possible, we could do an entire show just trying to yeah. trying to talk through the first 10 of the list. So go check it out, search engine roundtable. Uh, groove on Barry's new design or don't, um, but let him know what you think of it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure he'd be happy to hear from you. <laughs> um, the age-old question, which is, I think is almost a silly question, but our homepage is the most important page to Google. And surprisingly, the answer is? Of course they are. What the hell? <laughs> is, is your front door the most used portal into your house? Probably. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I've had this discussion many times over the year. It's just nice to get um, confirmation from Gary. I'm stunned. Of course it a, is. I had a news site that wanted to turn their homepage into an email capture box. I'm like, no, 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 we can't do that. You're a news site. We cannot make the homepage an email capture box. They're like, well, most people don't come to the homepage. I don't know, but Google does. <laughs> so no. Well, also, the homepage is the hub point that should be able to direct you to just about anywhere useful in the website. Yes, yes. And it's a it's a page that should be designed in a way to also maximize your um, link value uh, going into the site because it's going to have the most links to it. So it's going to have the most uh, most value coming from that page. Yeah, undoubtedly. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to, just to be um, clear, it was Gary Ease who said, first you want to figure out whether it's that page is in search or not, because if yeah. that page is not in search, um, they've already narrowed it down to two very specific things, one of which is probably they can't read your site. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so we don't do it as much anymore. We're back in the days of Penguin and Panda because of the way those algorithms worked. The first thing you checked was, is the domain still there? As if it's not? <laughs> you're in real big trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay, you have to write number one for your domain. Homepage, insanely important. Yes. Don't think it isn't. Don't think it isn't ever, because it is always. Okay, just to reiterate, John Mueller did say SEO will not die in H1 2024. 
we're just not sure if he was screwing around with H1s or not. <laughs> we do know that Bing has said it's highly important to them, and they've been very adamant about that even before uh, ChatGPT. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where next? I think this one, this one's really important. Um, definitely, definitely worth uh, 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 noting. Um, Third-party cookies are um, gone, are going the way of the dodo. Um, <laughs> okay, first off, Christine, why are third-party cookies going away? Uh, it's all about privacy issues, things that are in uh, the GDPR, and I also believe in the California Code. I always forget what that one's called. That's right. And in Cal California, modeled uh, their, their privacy laws very much after Europe's, so compliance yeah. with Europe, compliance with California. Um, critically important if you want to have like, I don't know, in case of California, over 40 million people. In the case of Europe, over 350 million people see your website. Yeah, and so what it is, is it, it, it identifies the user. It's, it's how like, when stories come out, like Facebook followed you all through the internet, um, everywhere you went, even if you're not a Facebook user, I still have never heard the technology on that one. But um, that's because of cookies. So cookies allow them to track you online and track you through websites, track what you do. It's not supposed to be personalized data. It's supposed to be, you know, de-anonymized and aggregated when it comes into a company, but that doesn't mean it can't be reversed. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a privacy issue. And although the United States doesn't do much with privacy law, other countries do, and Google has to follow what other countries do as well. And they have something called the Privacy Sandbox Initiative, um, which they're uh, rolling out uh, the second half of this year, I believe. So um, if there's no, but the big thing is ads rely on cookies. You know, when you, when you like bought something and you get that ad that's like, hey, do you want it again? I never understand that because why would I buy it again? I just bought it. But anyway. Hey, do you want it again? That's done with your cookies. And it looks like researchers have said and people who you know, report in the industry that ad companies are not ready and most websites are not ready. No. Um, in fact, as, as, as you were talking, I was just going through a, a, a quick inventory of one of my larger clients who is absolutely not ready. Like I can take it yeah. straight up. They, 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 I, I know for a fact that we're tracking everybody going, everybody going across the uh, this this massive e-com store, and we're tracking everything. Well, so, let's, be, let's be clear: this is on Chrome, so this isn't. Yeah, and like so, so what's gonna Chrome is rolling out something called tracking protection, and it's yeah. uh, as of today, it's rolling out to one percent of Chrome users, which globally, which incidentally is a heck of a lot of people. Um, you'll see if if you're getting uh, tracking protection immediately, you'll see a notification when you open Chrome on your desktop or your Android device. And by the latter half of 2024, we're all going to have it. Yeah, so you can if you get this notification, you can uh, re-enable the cookies temporarily so the site will work because a lot of sites won't work without the cookies. Uh, but by the end of 2024, now, of course, Google could find out that nobody paid attention and so they can't do it because there's other initiatives like Mobile First that were like that. But let's just say that by the end of 2024 right now, they're predicting that Chrome will no longer use cookies. And so um, by not using cookies means that sites might not work, advertising won't work properly, things like that. So if you have a website and you have not um, – figured out how you're supposed to live without cookies, you guys have to get in a room and have a conversation. There are testers that will help you understand if your site is ready or not, but you need to start doing it now because Google is already roll, rolling it out in Chrome. 
Okay. Um, we, I think we got time for one last story, and we have several to choose from. Where do you want to go, Christine? Ooh, what are our choices? <laughs> well, let's see. Google's going to be putting a colored header back into mobile search. Yeah, um, I think we already covered it by just saying the title. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Here's another co- quick coverage. Google groups Google groups to fix spam issue by removing Usenet groups. I do think this is interesting. So Usenet groups used to be like super powerful online and most people have switched off them. But Google, um, I, what's the date on it? I believe it's is it in February, February 22nd, 2024. Google Groups is going to be going away. To You won't be able to connect to Usenet through Google Groups. And um, uh, yes, yeah, so it's February 22nd. Uh, yes, Usenet is just not going to be in Google Groups anymore. Can I just say, though, because it's very spammy and people are using it for spam and we get that. But if Google has to fix its spam issue by removing ability to use that function, there's something really wrong with the algorithms. Because they should be able to just put in their algorithms, don't rank stuff from this, right? But they can't seemingly do that. So they're going to just remove the use. So if you're using a Usenet, um, you're one of the few that are still are. But if you are, you're going to have to prepare in the next month to move off of it. And you'll want to start doing that right away. Okay. This one, this is our last story. But this one, and this one, this is this is a weird one and a tough one. But it's one I think that everybody can relate to in a way. Links are still really important. Google, they're not as important as they were, say, five years ago, but the value of a link is still critically important to, to, to your ranking. Problem is, there's no standard way of measuring the value of a link. I mean, you got tools out there like Majestic, Ahrefs, um, SEMrush, and they all, uh, 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 Moz tools. With their, with their domain authority, they all use different metrics of some sort or another to map out and measure the value of links. And then you get then you get whatever they give you in in the links report at Search Console, which is like a smattering example of a thousand co- incoming links. What are, are those the most important ones? I don't know. I've been doing this for years and I still don't know. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, because Google only gives so much information because they've been weighted so heavily in the uh, ranking process, right? So, oh, oh, indeed. And the more you know about links, the easier it is to manipulate Google. So they don't want you knowing a whole bunch, just that they're very important. Yes. And, and as John added a little bit more to it, um, page rank is per page. So a random page on an important domain is still a random page. That's why your homepage and redirecting your link values through your site properly matter. Um, uh, DA is just a metric that a tool uses. Google doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, and uh, no tool that shows links is ever complete. When I used to uh, do site audits with Dave during Penguin, he used three tools and a proprietary one he created uh, to just get as many links as possible because there's no way that any tool can see all the links. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it can it can be they're important, but how important on each page into which page on another site or in your site? It's hard to know. <laughs> yeah. So Google is um, well, actually Google's not really throwing a lot of energy into giving us a lot of information. But John Mueller <laughs> is toiling away answering question answering giving clues on a question by question basis problem is okay now, now, 
you got to realize how how this all works. Like the web is a very big place. Things link to each other. The web is entirely linked to itself in one way or another. There are very few actually orphan pages out there that don't have any links coming into them. Most of the web is linked to itself somehow or another. You can find a way to weave your way through it. And that's what crawlers do. And so this is the mind-blowing part. Um, to consider the importance of any given page, Google actually evaluates it against the rest of the web. Now, that's a, that's a bit of a stretch. It, it evaluates it against representations of the rest of the web. But that's all based on things linking to things, linking to things, linking to things, linking to things, and the value of those links. And things linking? <laughs> well, indeed. So every link on the web will affect the rank of your page infinitesimally, but somehow. Yeah. And that's the mind-blowing part. It's all mind-blowing. <laughs> so he spent so much time researching it. Well, we've, we've known this since the Florida update. That, that was, was the great thing about Florida, actually. It taught us the value of links, the true yeah, value the, of links. And the thing is that um, I don't remember when Matt Cut said this, but it's just before he left. And he said they experimented with reducing the value of links. And he said they couldn't do it. And it'd at least be a decade to two before they'd be able to do something like that. Well, and so they're doing, oh, and that was about what, a decade and a half ago he said that? No, no, this is around 2000, I think 15 or 16. So less than a decade, but close. Okay. Close, yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes for them, eh? So far, it doesn't seem to be going very well. Because that's what everyone's theorizing going on. <laughs> well, we'll see. And if uh, and if you find that uh, you're listening to this and your Google search quality for just your normal use has gone down, don't worry. It's not you. It is Google. So they're experimenting with something, and whatever they're experimenting with does not seem to be creating more relevant search results. Now, that said, keep working your pages. Keep doing the right things. Yes. Um, keep make, make sure that it can be read. Make sure that it's fast. Make sure that um, the render, the render, and the Java response are, you know, both uh, 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 showing as much information as possible. Um, all the technical stuff and all the content stuff. Keep on doing them, even and, if you know Google might change things tomorrow. And, and if you have a significant site that your cash register or employee salaries is based on, use humans to write your content. We are seeing anecdotal evidence in the affiliate space that AI content that ranked really, really well on HCO has gone really, really poorly. So um, use humans, pay them well to write your content in a way that meets the helpful content guidelines, which AI cannot meet. So. And on that, uh, we got to go. It's been uh, it's been just over an hour. So on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology recorded live to podcast on the uh, 4th of January, 2024. Happy New Year, friends. Happy New Year. Thanks to uh, all the folks at WMR.FM, to, to Ricky in the control room and Darren and Brandy in the office. and Brasco, wherever it is Brasco's at. Thanks to uh, Tom and Audience Key and all the listeners and everyone out there. Be good to each other. Rank well. Be kind. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.